0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. <laughs> Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the returning two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Colin Chris, welcome back. How the hell are you, my friend? Oh, I'm good, buddy. Being a
1: Hall of Famer's got its perks. Uh... I get uh, to upsize my drink at certain fast food locations for a quarter. Um, Yeah, just a couple whistles here or there along the side street, like a cat call. Everybody recognizes a Hall of Famer, especially a double, double O O Hall of Famer, double O-H-O-V, H-O-F. Yeah, Hov. I'm Don't, not double of, I'm not a hall of, double hall of Famer, famer in
0: uh, <laughs> um, abbreviations at all. i H- Yeah, say so Hov. You're a double high occupancy vehicle lane. That's good here. <laughs> but that's part of being in the. You I know put what? My second jacket on the passenger seat. Maybe they won't pull me over. Well, that's just what it is. I mean, I think you're onto something. I think if you're a two time hall of famer, you do just get to ride in the uh, carpool lane, even if you're by yourself. You know, that's part Sounds of the. Great. Approach. You're absolutely right. So, uh, well, welcome <laughs> back. Uh, you didn't miss much in your in. You know, the absence of last week. We did a very special episode with Kabir Kabizi Singh, uh, Seattle Seahawks fan, stand-up comedy extraordinaire, uh, he fits just right in with you and I, Chris, and that he butchered yeah. literally every single name uh, that came out of his mouth. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, I don't know who, I don't know who Kenny Skills is. I don't know who J J J, 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 J J was. Um, apparently, Chris Ivory is still on the New York Jets, <laughs> and uh, he's very happy that Landry Jones is no longer on the uh, Miami Dolphins, Chris. So uh, you he- know,
1: listening to that, I feel like he fired up a uh, old video game of Madden to check the rosters to seem relevant, and it was like Madden 2011 and he put it in and just like oh yeah Chris Ivory let me just remember that and I'll I'll, I'll drop that in a conversation so it seems like I'm into into the league right now uh, yeah Kenny skills that killed
0: me that, that was hilarious well the thing is like Kabir actually watches a ton of sports I mean the guy gambles on WNBA games and I'm not even kidding and the guy just <laughs> yeah. Launched, yeah exactly I'm like yeah the Minnesota Lynx look good he's like do you know something I'll call my bookie right now and I'm like no no but uh, he, he watches a ton of sports and that's all we talk about but this was at the end of the night, uh, we had been drinking a little bit. This is the same guy who I, I've been one of his best friends for the last five years. I tour with the guy. He called me Max for the first two years of the five years that we've known each other because he just <laughs> didn't remember my name. And he goes, like, I don't know, he looks like a Max. And I was too scared to tell him because I don't want to get fired from the tour um, that I just went by Max. So now everyone calls me Max in the comedy circuit just because of this. Uh, the guy's terrible with names, but you know what? I'm terrible with names and you're terrible with names. So uh, like I yes. said, he, he fit in just quite perfectly uh, in, in Perfectville here. So uh, he is now now an honorary citizen, but uh, speaking of citizens, Chris, as always, uh, the citizens of Perfectville, uh, I maintain we have the best listenership on this show of any oh, yeah. podcast of any radio station, anything that's out there. Uh, we just keep getting more and more people telling us about the show and how much they love it, so uh, as always. Uh, if you look on Apple Podcasts, you can type in Perfectville, you can type in Miami Dolphins. But if you go there and you are a listener uh, of Perfectville and you give us a five-star rating and a review, you qualify for an Day Baxton, our official merch. It's a sip sack koozie. It's a brown paper bag that's insulated that you can stick your drinks in and keep them keep them cool and uh, prevent your hand from getting Frosty Hands, which is a campaign that we have helped almost completely wipe off the planet Earth in the last year and a half. I'm very proud of that. Um, but we got a couple more here. Chris, one of them comes from a guy named Tim York One. Which, if it was Tom York, uh, that would be the lead singer of Radiohead, and I'd be super ecstatic that that guy listened to our show. But instead, it's Tim York, his less talented, less musician inclined brother, apparently. (laughs) Um, But he did give us a five star rating and a review, so we love him. He says, Outstanding podcast. Listen to this podcast for the first time today, and I do believe I found my new favorite. Definitely a subscriber for the long term from Missouri. Cheers, guys mcdolphin that's his uh that's his dolphin handle i guess online huh. mcdolphin so uh tim york thank you very much tim york one i should say or as his alter like, ego yeah he's like mclovin but for the dolphins out there so he's <laughs> mcdolphin one name one name what do he seal yeah God, exactly mcdolphin uh and then this one comes from speaking of names this is a name this comes from the daddy ferrari chris <laughs> the, the, the daddy <laughs> ferrari <clears throat> and he says, uh, best guys doing Finn's fun, and you're gonna love this. Just recently found you guys, but have listened to nearly half of your episodes holy shit. <laughs> Long commute. Keep it up. Love your chemistry and attitudes. Go Fins. Half, Chris. Now, we are currently recording 50-something kept... episodes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we're not good at math, but we know that we've done 109 of these things, so if he's listened to about half of these, I mean, it took us two years to get to 109. It took him about two weeks to get through half. <laughs> that is uh, that is incredible. Hey, if he's out driving his amazing Ferrari around, just show it off. He has a lot of time to
1: listen to podcasts, so I, I give the daddy Ferrari a lot of pop props, and, and there's nothing cooler than that, somebody just finding the show and just like binge listening to episodes. Um, I would actually. I don't know if I ever have the time. I don't have a Ferrari. Um, I have a third row Dodge Journey. Watch out, motherfuckers! Um, <laughs> but if you're driving around, I mean, I would like to do that. It, I can imagine uh, him listening, and the quality of our show just was absolutely trash can in the beginning. I was and just the, thinking that, yeah, yeah, and then to hear like the progression of this these episodes, and it's almost like holy shit, it was so bad before, um,
0: and. Now here we are, so that's that's awesome, man. That's keep that's two new listeners in a row. That's pretty badass. Yeah, that's kind of weird, though. I like to think about like, oh, I, I like I, I heard an episode. I liked it. I'll go back and listen to all of them. And then like they listened to the first ones and we're just a couple of mental patients with me uh, recording out of my garage. And I think you were in like your bedroom in the bed, you know, recording into a, a gamer <laughs> mic. It was just awful the way we started. So if you're going to listen to half, may I suggest the uh, last 50 instead of the first 50? <laughs> right. I think you would be much better off. You know, I wonder if he sat, sat there and it's like one of those things when
1: I rewatch Game of Thrones, I'm like, oh, oh, that's a three eyed yeah. raven, you know, something crazy like that. And you like, no what what happened, so you kind of pick up on a couple of things. I wonder if he heard your whole rant about how the Jarvis-Landry relationship is gonna end, and it's gonna end ugly, if he was just like,
0: motherfucker he called that. I called that two years <laughs> in advance. That's me, knowing stuff. Um... Well, Chris, uh, I'm also wondering if you listen to the first episodes, how many promises that I made to the audience, the citizens of Perfectville, <laughs> over the years for like different types of merchandise and parties and stuff that we we're going to do that I just I never did. So Is uh, that like, cool. They have shirts and keychains. Yeah. I mean, go look at their store. <laughs> oh, it's still the koozie they're giving away for free for free. <laughs> Where's this analysis podcast with Travis Wingfield that he keeps talking about? <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck is Kevin Dern? <laughs> who is Kevin Dern? Well, who are all these people that they're talking about? I only hear Sam and Chris. I, I, man, I, I I'm going to do that one day when I don't have anything else to do. I'm just going to go back and listen to a random episode and cringe the entire time. I think that exactly uh, that sounds it's like, like a lot of fun. You're pitch, school pictures from the mid '90s. You're just like, oh my god, is
1: that a mullet and plaid? Good uh, lord.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I'd rather do that than uh, go back and listen to the the very start of the show. With all due respect to both you and I, but uh, anyway, with all due respect to everyone here we do have to get the show started and this is a different one chris uh this is something new that uh i just popped into my head last night and i decided to throw it out there this is citizen's choice as you guys know we do a coin toss here at the beginning of the show chris takes a topic i take a topic we flip a coin just like they do in football uh whatever chris calls in the air if he wins he gets to choose whether he wants to go first or second and then we talk about it in the first half and the second half of the show along the way we have all kinds of fun things to do um And then we also have something called three and out at the end of the show where we talk about topics outside of the Miami Dolphins, but related to football or sports in general. We had so many requests, Chris, from the uh, citizens that I think for this episode and this episode only uh, for three and out, we're going to take three of the suggestions where maybe we don't have a full half to discuss and throw those in there as well. So this recording here, this is very much uh, the citizen show, if you want to call it that. So, uh, Chris, you've looked at the topics. I've looked at the topics. What is your topic that you are bringing to the coin talk? right here right now from the citizens
1: well considering um i'm pretty active on reddit and our subreddit is uh has made us official official talking heads over there on the miami dolphins page uh, i have to go with the top comment that was voted and that was slainers a friend of ours uh, actually the host and uh, co-creator of Fins Up, Fans Down, also a part of the Dolphins Talk, uh, podcast network. And that is actually not a biased thing. I just wanted to go with the top comment and he was voted that way. That's your fault, not mine. Um, but I like it. It's, he said we're in the beginning of the season. Uh, week one is still in the horizon in front of us, and we always hear the cookie-cutters and how excited we are and what's going on. He wants to hear some pessimism. He wants to hear what we think might go wrong, what um, issues could be occurring and things that we can maybe try to predict, uh, which, as always, as Dolphins fans, the inevitable happens and and something bad happens. So I'm going to go ahead and use that as my topic for the coin toss.
0: Well, that's a good one, Chris, and uh, shout out to Reddit and Slainer and the Fins Up, Fans Down podcast, as you mentioned, part of the Dolphins talk.com podcast network. Uh, I'm actually going to go to one of our other social medias, in this case, onto Twitter, uh, where you can follow us at Perfectville Pod. And I'm going to go to a longtime listener whose uh, handle is at TanaDaddy69. So uh, <laughs> not only do we have the Ferrari Daddy, but we also have TanaDaddy69. 69. I'm excited uh, that members. Ryan Tannehill's dad is listening to our show. <laughs> it is. If we can get Ryan Tannehill to listen and be a guest, <laughs> if his dad will actually recommend this, that would be something else. His name but, is uh, Copper Tannehill. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I think this <laughs> stupid. It'd that be great so if everyone in Ryan's, it. if Ryan's, everyone in Ryan's name is just named after a different element on the uh, periodic table, like steel, copper, gold, silver, bronze. Just like how everyone in your family's named after Christopher Lloyd characters from Back to the Future. Wow, all those other movies. Holy shit. Yeah, it'd be great <laughs> if there's just a theme, you know. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Tannadaddy sixty nine wants to know what, in our opinion, is our four toughest games. Ooh. So I think. Both of these topics jive well together, Chris. You're going to talk about all things to be pessimistic about for the Miami Dolphins in 2018, and we're also going to talk about the four toughest games that we think, uh, looking at the schedule, and I'm going to throw a wrinkle in there. This didn't come from Tana Daddy. This comes from Sammy Daddy, and uh, that is, I'm going to say, the four toughest games outside of our division. So no Patriots, no Jets, no Bills. So looking at the rest Mm. of the schedule, what are our four toughest games? Because you could just kick two of those out right now with the New England Patriots. And that's obvious. But uh, I want to know, based on the rest of the schedule, uh, what you think the toughest games are and what the toughest games I think they're going to be. And looking at this it, uh, this quarter, Chris, for the coin toss, for both topics, uh, this is 2015. So this is a relatively new quarter. This is one of those new quarters, Chris, that actually has different states on the back. Care to guess the state that's on the back of this 2015 quarter? Well, it would be random as shit and say Idaho. Uh, you are DeHo, but uh this is actually from your great home state of North Carolina. So I have a North Carolinian. that is not my home state. Oh, are we you've been there like for the like the last 15 years, Chris. 12,
1: but yeah, I'm 31 so still Florida overrules and I was born there. So that gives you like an extra 3 year cushion. I'll, I'll go ahead and call uh, you... that
0: you're a kiss ass just like Kabir and trying and trying to get people to uh you know just love you for for uh, for all of this but uh, in 2015 as you might remember Chris uh, this is a good year I, now we went 6 and 10 and finished last so i don't know if you can consider it a good year overall but there was a lot of positives that came out of this year Do you, can you name one positive that happened in the 2015 season 2015 season that uh Joe Philbin got fired Joe Philbin did get fired after we started one and three. That is correct. That is one of the positives. Can you name another one? Dan Campbell uh, kicked some ass for two weeks against Tennessee and Houston. Well, there it is. That's what I was really looking for, is that this is the year that Dan Campbell ripped the humongous gorilla off of our back. And what I mean by that is this is the only time out of about a dozen tries, both preseason Mm. and regular season, that the Miami Dolphins have ever beaten the Houston Texans. And uh, that is in large part due to Dan Campbell yelling, screaming, doing Oklahoma drills Oklahoma and drills, really just yeah. punching people in the face until we got our shit together for two games in a row against the Tennessee Titans, ironically our first opponent this this season in 2018, and the Houston Texans. So – uh that I can picture right Dan there. Campbell kicking the
1: offensive line um, meeting door open in the middle of a meeting and just punching Dallas Thomas in the face and just leaving. Just, just yelling. Just, he's, oh, just like, yeah. he's like, whoa! And everyone's like, what the fuck? He just kicks the door in, throws a quick 9 to 12, uh, you know, um, <laughs> fucking 12 to 6 elbow <laughs> on Dallas Thomas's eyebrow fucking flipping him off and you know he has a huge thing of chew in his mouth and he just walks out and everybody's like man i fucking love playing for that guy he's just a player's coach
0: yeah you know he inspired people too so he would go in and he would just uppercut dallas thomas and then jamil douglas got up and ran over and tried to do the same thing but completely missed and then <laughs> fell over and then everyone on defense just stepped over him and walked over and hit ryan Tannehill right in the face um well, getting like a yeah, ring <laughs> Yeah, that that actually this year, uh, it was the year that we drafted Devontae Parker in the first round as well. So uh, speaking of pessimistic things, it's, uh, it's appropriate that we flip this coin right here, right now, Chris. As always, feel free to call it in the air. I am flipping it now. Tails. Oh, it bounced and landed on top of my phone, and it is, in fact, tails. So you get the uh, honor, sir, if you want to go first or second with your topic. I will go first. All right, Chris, will go first, which makes sense, especially in a, in a in a podcast format. Why would you not want to go first? Uh, so we are going to talk about all things to be pessimistic about for the Miami Dolphins in 2018. Now, this came from, as you'd mentioned, Slainer from Reddit. Now, it's funny about this is I read that same comment, Chris, and he talked about, well, this time of year, everyone's talking about to be you know optimistic and all the hope. Um, we want to hear the other side. And I'm thinking, just listen to all 109 episodes of Perfect Bill. I'm pretty sure we are the other side right now. Yeah, or just yeah, exactly. Turn on ESPN if you want to hear the pessimism when it comes to the Miami Dolphins or read anything online. Um there's a lot of pessimism, uh, you know, f- surrounding this team. Um where do you start, Chris? I mean, let's let's look at this not only from, you know, talent acquisition and talent leaving standpoint, but we've seen two preseason games. So we've seen a little bit of this team in action. Uh we we've, we've seen training camp. What, based on what you've seen so far, is something that has got you worried? What's what's something that you are pessimistic about for the Miami Dolphins going into this season?
1: Well, I I think it's hard to admit, even for me, because I'm watching Hard Knocks, and um, I'm really being pessimistic towards Jarvis Landry. But I'm going to call it right now that we're going to really miss this fire. Like, we're going to miss... That guy on the field fighting for his teammates, getting in people's faces, fighting for yards. Uh, So far in preseason, um, it it just seems like the other receivers are going through the motions. Uh, Devontae Parker, of course, is just ordering a pretzel in the stands. He's not even playing. But even with Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson kind of shows a little fire. He catches the ball, gets a first down, kind of does the first down motion, kind of your bare minimum For a um, uh, You know athletic receiver that you Want to see Danny Amendola literally Catches the ball stands up and shakes the Hand of the cornerback every time and goes back to The huddle Um, (laughs) but Jarvis Landry man like I know he's a douchebag I know he's a dick and I know watching Hard Knocks he seems like he's all about his brand And he's trying to um, You know he said I think the last episode literally I watched last night he said he doesn't care if everybody Hates me he doesn't want anybody to like me Um, No one's going to push me around and um, Yeah that that that's like one of those things we talked about with N- Ndamukong Suh, like where you hate him if he's not on your team. But if he's on your team, you're like, fuck yeah, I love that guy. Um, and I think we're going to miss that. I don't see anybody so far on this team in the preseason, at least in the two games, and then the people that have been on our team previously that's going to Put their shoulder down and really fight for yards. Get up in somebody's face. Yeah, we don't want to see penalties all the time, but every once in a while – I remember coaching with a guy maybe three years ago. He told his son – he was at Noseguard. The first play of the game, he wanted him to grab the center's face mask and rip him to the ground and get a penalty. He wanted him to do it to set the tone. Um and the kid was just like, "You're fucking crazy, Dad. I'm nine, But yeah, it would, which is fucking nuts. But I would never coach anybody to do that. But that's the kind of thing and mentality though that a lot of people kind of drive towards. You know, teammates, fans, uh, even the other opponents. You get in their head immediately, and you're just telling them, "I'm gonna beat you all day. And I don't care if you know it." Um, Jarvis Langer just type that would line up and say, "Hey, I'm about to run a slant. I don't care if you know it. You're not gonna be able to cover me." And he would still catch the ball. He'd get up. He said, here you go. And he'd flip the ball at him and be a douche or whatever. But I think we're going to miss that fire this year. I don't see it yet. Maybe a and Drake will step up. I don't know. But i I got a list of a couple other things, and I'll kind of fire through them, Sam. But I think we're going to miss Jarvis Landry's fire. Um, I think we're going to have some growing pains. I'm going to be a little pessimistic here. Uh, We're growing pains. There's a lot of young guys we're counting on. Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, gasecki drake only in like his second and a half year of starting um there's a lot of young guys that we're really counting on to come through uh albert Wilson's still a young fellow Uh, mcmillan baker on the defensive line uh godchall and taylor now are the number ones and twos so far as far as defensive line charles harris in year two we really need to step up there's a lot of young guys even with tankersley over the other side of Xavier howard who from being starter and everybody's best friend to uh, we don't even know what the hell we're doing over there at number two a corner so there's a lot of young guys um, that we're going to count on and need to make big plays that are going to have some growing pains this year guys you have to be ready for it there's going to be some bad games uh, possibly losses as a result of those bad games and it's going to happen also Sam on the other side of that we got veterans man some older veterans sometimes i watch highlights and i realize how long rashad jones has been playing for us um kim wake obviously he's been playing for us for a long time we have hayes and um uh, branch and quinn who looked amazing in preseason so i'm not gonna but but i mean you got alonzo and these older offensive linemen and things like that uh frank war you know we're we're counting on a lot of older guys too it's such a weird dynamic somebody asked on reddit what's our identity next year and it's so tough to pinpoint that. Like we don't know because are the young guys going to step up and take over? Are the old guys going to fizzle out? Are we going to still keep counting on half of the team being older and hope that we just have this perfect mesh of young guys, old veterans that can come together and be a successful team? We don't know. And without that answer being out there, you got to expect some bad things to happen, either mistakes from the young guys, old guys maybe giving up, uh, giving in. They're too tired. They don't want to do it. Uh, it's not worth their time. There's a lot of things going on. I already mentioned number two, uh, uh, the corners, the second corner. And, um, of course, we're the Miami Dolphins, Sam. So I'm going to be pessimistic and say we're going to probably win a couple of games that we shouldn't have won, but we're going to lose some games we should win. And that's uh, the consonant with
0: this team. So we should just quit now. That's, that, that's yeah, the most depressing thing I've ever heard. I mean,
1: sorry. Yeah. Slainer, you asked all- for this motherfucker.
0: Yeah, I didn't ask for you to be pessimistic. Slainer did. The citizens wanted some rain on their sunny town of Perfectville. Um, But you're right. I mean, I I can't disagree with really anything that you just said there. I mean, and it's not just Jarvis Landry when it comes to that emotional boost that you might get. I mean, let's not discount what Michael Thomas brought to this team. I mean, Michael Thomas was a special teams extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael Thomas was a guy that when he had to play defense, did the best he absolutely could. And Michael Thomas is no longer on this team. I believe he's with the New York Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And he was a fiery character as well. And he's gone. So you have kind of a double whammy when it comes to that, you know, in-game motivation. And somebody's going to have to step up and take that place, be it Albert Wilson or be it uh, a veteran who decides that, you know what, this is my time to actually be more vocal. Personally, I think it has to come from Ryan Tannehill. And I think we're starting to see that just a little bit. Um, you know, it starts with him throwing everybody out of the huddle, and, and in, you know, in a positive way, versus telling uh, people a couple of years ago, have fun on the practice squad after they picked him off for like the seventh time <laughs> in practice. So, uh, it's a you know, shit. maybe his leadership move. <laughs> what a terrible thing to do! And I, I remember chastising him at the time, like, well, yeah, what a terrible thing to do. And, and you know, his leadership is starting to step up a little bit. But I agree. I think we're going to need to find that fire from somebody else because Jarvis Landry, like him or hate him, at this point, that's what he brought to this team, and I think people fed off that. And if we don't have that and things start to go negatively um maybe we just can't get out of it maybe we can't you know spiral out uh of that <laughs> and, and sue on defense
1: that. too like we're losing yep. two fiery guys i mean sue literally uh almost choke slammed a la undertaker joe flacco last year so or i'm sorry ryan mallet last year um we lost both of those guys both of those guys you hate them if they're not in your team you love them when they are we lost a lot of fire this year
0: we did. And uh, here's the thing. Speaking of Indomicon Sue, and he took a lot of flack this week, or well, we took a lot of flack in the last week, of him uh, mocking the defensive tackles and the defensive line for the Miami Dolphins after Christian McCaffrey broke free for like a 300-yard running touchdown, something along those lines. Um, and he just said, right up the gut, LOL, on Instagram is one of his comments. And that's one of the things I'm actually starting to become pessimistic about. I'm usually not pessimistic when it comes to the defensive line play for the Miami Dolphins. As I've said in the past, there seems to always be some Somebody who will step up yeah. and be that person that steps in and uh, takes over as, as the leader, whether it's Larry Chester and Tim Bowens from yesteryear or Daryl Gardner or Indomicon Sue, or any of these other folks over the years. Uh, I'm not seeing it right now. And I know it's only two games into preseason, but that's one area where I think if I'm an offensive coordinator or somebody who's calling plays against the Miami Dolphins, I'm turning around and handing that ball off to the running back and saying, go get your four, five, six yards until they can stop you. Um, That's an area of big concern for me, which is interesting because right now uh, the two areas on defense that you and I are pessimistic about are the defensive line and the defensive backs. Um, Coming into the season, if you had asked me, two, three weeks ago, what I'd be most concerned about, it would have been the linebackers, just because we haven't had good linebacking play in a very, very long time, at least not consistently. Uh, but that's now number three on our priority list from the three different areas of defense as far as I can tell. And uh, that says a whole lot of something, because I don't have a ton of confidence in the linebacking core yet. I mean, there's there's some flashes out there that I think are good, but right now, uh, that's number three behind the defensive line and, and as you'd put it, the defensive back play, especially at the number two cornerback. So uh, this defense has a chance to be scary in a bad way, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Matt Burke seemed to be um, a little bit more aggressive in the preseason games, a lot of blitzing and things like that. But if you still can't get to the quarterback, you're doing nothing but hurting yourself. So um he's got to be a little bit more creative, think of things, um, strategize with the players he has. I noticed Jerome Baker got a lot of work with the ones uh, last preseason game of the Panthers, and he did fairly well. A guy that's not helping himself, especially, especially with Minka Fitzpatrick right on his heels is TJ McDonald. He took an absolute horrendous angle on that Christian McCaffrey 300 yard run, you said, um, where he got just completely sucked inside. There's no reason to do that. You're a safety. You're the last chance hope of your defense there's no reason to be super uber aggressive the come downhill in the middle uh on a fast guy like that and a shifty small fast guy and get sucked inside and take a bad angle and give him the entire outside to run uh so tj mcdaniel on the hot seat as well because making fitzpatrick they're saying i think adam gaze had a quote today um that he, he he his coming in as a rookie is unprecedented. Like hmm. he used the word something like that along the lines of unprecedented, where it's just it's unnatural, it's odd how amazingly well he's doing um that he's been close to perfect, and that is just. Fucking unbelievable coming from Adam Gase, especially. Um so Minka Fitzpatrick's right there. I mean, they might even put him at the number two corner and and, and put McDonald uh, or put McCain. I, I was on Dolphin Stock uh, podcast and uh he had mentioned putting McCain as the outside guy and putting Minka in the slot. You know, use your best guys to your advantage. Who cares what position it is just go cover a guy.
0: Yeah, that might be what we have to do, just to you know put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole until we can figure this out. And I think you said McDaniel. I believe T.J. McDonald, McDonald is his name. Yes. Uh, either way, he's McSucky right now, so uh, we're going to need him to play a little bit better. He is big, though, man. I was watching him on the Panthers game, and he was standing next to one of our linebackers. I cannot remember which linebacker it was, and I had to do a double-take and go, wait, which one is the linebacker and which one is the <laughs> safety? Because they were almost identical in size. Um, maybe he's just out of position, and he needs to bulk up and put another 5 to 10 pounds and just move down a little bit. Maybe that would be better for him uh long term i'm not sure uh, other things to be pessimistic about chris at least as far as i, I can tell um i'm not 100 percent sold on this coaching staff Uh, we, we've seen some changes. I think some of the changes that we've seen were reactionary by Adam Gase to a very bad season last year, and the season was 6-10 and 10 and a disappointment, but I think that happened because we didn't have Ryan Tannehill and we had Jay Cutler, and I think some of the changes that he made – and now, granted, the offensive line had to, uh, coach had to change due to uh, drugs, but uh, some of the other changes that he's brought in, he started to bring in his own guys, which can be good or bad. Right, um, right now, I'm somewhat pessimistic about it. I feel like this coaching staff isn't exactly t- – tested um they don't have a long track record and that goes for the defensive coordinator that goes for the new offensive coordinator and quite frankly that goes for our 500 winning percentage coach and adam Gase. so right now until further notice i'm going to say that i am a little bit negative when it comes to this coaching staff in general i uh, i like our front office i do uh maybe with the exception of mike tannenbaum i like chris greer i like steven ross um I'm not sure if I'm 100% sold on Adam Gase, um, Matt Burke, and Lowell Dow Dow Logans or whatever the hell our offensive coordinator's name name is They just give us the weirdest names on this show. Yeah. help us yeah out. I don't know why we, again can we not have a John Smith I mean where's Mike Smith these days is he with Jacksonville can we just go bring him over here for for a, a season so I can have a Mike Smith no um, but that's that's an area of, of pessimism for me is uh, I really do think we're gonna maybe lose a gamer here a game or two because of coaching
1: decisions. I could see that totally. Adam Gase is one of those guys that's very stubborn. He comes from Nick Saban, uh, branch of coaching, and, uh, we've seen it already where he'll get rid of guys, sure, but he'll also make the decisions to stick with them and back his guys. And he, all he's doing. Uh, and that's, like you said, like that's fine if you're bringing in guys that are successful, but if you're bringing in guys like a Dole Loggins or whatever the hell his name is, um, that really Bears fans were happy to get rid of and you're going to bring them in here and then all of a sudden the offense may be more of the same because he's al- aligned his thought process. Uh, with Adam Gase, it, it, it's a catch-22. It's a very thin line because you're watching Hard Knocks and Hugh Jackson and he has these uh, former head coaches as his coordinators and they're kind of bucketing them, and you can tell in the body language and what they're saying that they're not maybe agreeing with some of his decisions and things like that. So that's hurting their team and it's going to hurt him in the long run and that uh, you've seen coaches bring in guys that are just yes men and agree with everything you say and that hurts them as well. So hopefully this guy and these guys that he's bringing in will kind of call him out. Uh, question some of his decisions, and give him a second set of eyes that can help him in the long run.
0: Yeah, and, uh, if not, then maybe we can get Kenny Loggins to be our offensive coordinator, because at least I can <laughs> say his the name. And, zone. And maybe that's what we need. We need a highway to the danger zone, because uh, right now we are not in the danger zone, because when we get in the danger zone, especially from what I've seen so far in the first two preseason games, uh, we might as well just kick a field goal on second down, because there's no way, why are we wasting time? Uh, we're going to need all the points we can get, and if we can kick it on second down versus fourth down, uh, because we know we're not getting a touchdown, might as well just go ahead and kick it, because it's not the red zone, it is the danger zone. That's another reason. To be pessimistic, I read some articles on uh, Kenyon Drake, Chris, which are very depressing. He's actually ranked very, very low in terms of starting running backs when it comes to converting red zone opportunities into touchdowns. Um, He's very much a boom or a bust. And as much as I like Kenyon Drake and I think he is underrated, uh, it has. Shown in both regular season and preseason games that this guy just doesn't seem to have the knack to punch it in from about one, two, three yards out. And maybe Frank Gore is the solution to that, or maybe somebody else is, Uh, or maybe it's you know that's where Mike Gesicki is really going to start earning his money as a rookie. Is that maybe that's what will supplement that? But uh, Kenyon Drake needs to be better in terms of getting the ball into the end zone from a short distance away, and uh, that's an area where I'm pessimistic. Is that if we get into first and goal from five yards out, I feel like we're going to kick a field goal more often and then we score a touchdown
1: yeah red zone offense in the preseason has looked suspect but uh, I agree and believe Adam Gase when he says he's being a lot to be desired because he's trying different things uh, we haven't seen Gaseki really in there he had a lot of work with Ryan Tannehill today at practice in the red zone so uh, hopefully he's holding things back and not giving anything away I,
0: I wonder if there's going to be a big showing on the week three preseason well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's Chris Collin being pessimistic. That's Sam Marcoux being pessimistic. Slainer, I hope that did you well over on Reddit. You can check Slainer and his co-host up on Fins Up, Fans Down, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. That is your first half of Perfectville. We're going to go to halftime, and then after halftime, we will talk about what I wanted to talk about, well, really what our citizens on Twitter wanted to talk about, which is the four hardest games on the Miami Dolphins schedule, not in the AFC East. What's up, citizens of Perfectville? Sam Marcoux here to talk about my bookie. And ever since Chris and I started the town of Perfectville, everyone has been coming to us going, Hey, guys, you know your stuff about football. Can you give us some advice about gambling? Who should we bet on? Who should we bet against? Should we take the over? Should we take the under? Well, the truth is, I have no clue. I don't know who's going to win I don't know who's going to lose. I don't know who's going to cover. I don't know who is a mush and who is not. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. And here's why. Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I tell everyone, bet with my bookie. Trust me, this is your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have tremendous reviews online. And their mobile site, easiest to use, bar none. Who doesn't like that? Longevity, high reviews, easy to use. Perfect. Lay down some cash and win big today. You win, they pay. They have in game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, yeah, you. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. That's like a double fantasy bet right there. You're playing fantasy football, and then you're gambling on the fantasy player. Join now, and MyBookie will match the citizens of Perfectville's first deposit 100% up to $1,000. Do you know what that means? You guys realize? That means if you put $1,000 into your account, MyBookie is going to match that. So you can turn $1,000 into $2,000 just like that in the blink of an eye. Use promo code PERFECTVILLE to activate this offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code PERFECTVILLE when creating your account to claim this bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Check out MyBookie today. All right. Welcome back. The second half of Perfectville. Uh, Chris, now this is coming from a Twitter user, as we talked about, TanaDaddy69, wants to know, in our opinion, what are the four toughest games on the Miami Dolphins schedule for 2018 and I threw in the wrinkle the four toughest games not from the AFC East so that eliminates two Buffalo Bills two New York Jets and two New England Patriots games from our schedule real quick let's just run down the schedule that we have the other 10 games Uh, week one versus the Tennessee Titans week three against the Oakland Raiders Uh, week what is that six at Cincinnati, then we have Chicago and Detroit back-to-back at home, then we play Thursday night against the Houston Texans the week after that. Two weeks after that, we play in Green Bay, then we have a bye week. Right after that, we are in Indianapolis against our old AFC East rivals, the Colts. Uh, Then we play at Minnesota, and then we finish up the non-AFC East games at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So those 10 games right there, Chris, which ones do you feel are the four hardest for the Miami Dolphins in 2018. God, that's a tough
1: list. Uh, There's a lot of good teams there that are coming in from uh, last season. I'm going to go ahead and say that end game with Jacksonville, a team that went Mm. to the AFC Championship that has just a hell of a defense, um, they might have a lot of things going for them that last game where they're going to have to just play balls to the wall. Um, In a defense like that, two shutdown corners, Linebackers in a pass rush, I mean, they are just, they're legitimate. They're really legitimate on defense. Uh, Blake Bortles, um, you know, he's hit or miss, so that could be the only thing that keeps us in the game if our defense helps us out. But Leonard Fournette, you were just talking earlier about our interior defensive line. That guy might eat us for lunch if uh, the possibility is there. So I'm going to go ahead. My first one, I'm going to say Jacksonville.
0: All right, you got Jacksonville. That is the second to the last game on the season. Uh, We do play at Buffalo for the last game of the year but that Jacksonville game happens on December 23rd. Uh, That has the possibility of not only spoiling any maybe playoff dreams for the Miami Dolphins, but it also has a chance of spoiling Christmas for Miami Dolphins and citizens of Perfectville everywhere. It's two days before Christmas. Um, So, and I agree, I think that's going to be a tough game. I think that's a game where we could probably just get spanked on the ground if we cannot figure out how to stop a running back. So, I think that's a very good choice. I'm going to go with uh, the Houston Texans on Thursday night for a number of reasons. Number one, we never beat the Houston Texans. We've only beat them once in our entire existence. We have a problem beating the Houston Texans. Number two, it is uh, a road game. Uh, Number three, it is on a Thursday night. Talk about being an underdog on the road against Houston on Thursday night. There's a reason why, if you look at that from a gambling standpoint, it is a bad bet if you're going to take a road dog on Thursday night. You're coming off only, what, three days of rest from when you played the Detroit Lions right before? Now you're going on the road into a hostile environment against a team that you just don't have a lot of success against. So um, while you go with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm going to go with the Houston Texans. I think that's going to be a tough one for Miami. Plus, recent memory tells me we have not done great in primetime television. This is a primetime game. Everyone's going to be looking at us, and we will probably shit the bed like we have over the last couple of years in primetime. We
1: suck against Houston. We suck on national TV. And generally, road dogs suck on Thursday night football that is an absolute loss there's no way if we win that game Sam I, I will go back to this episode and and read myself a new one but unless Deshaun Watson J.J. Watt and Jadavious Clowney take a private plane and, and crash there's no way we are winning that football game
0: and just for the record we are in no way advocating that they crash <laughs> yeah, just please don't for- I like all those players Look, we've gotten very popular over the last couple of weeks here on Perfectville. People are listening to this show. We do not need to be shut down due to a joke. Um, But (laughs) if they did crash, I would not shed a tear. I'm just saying that right now for the record. All right, Chris, uh, game number three. What else would be a very difficult game for the Miami Dolphins?
1: I think at Green Bay is the obvious one. I mean, you're in Green Bay, middle of the season. Could be cool. Um, Aaron Rodgers, anytime you're playing A.A. Rodgers, um that's a tough one because they just got weapons out the ass their defense is good uh, being on the road in a odd environment I mean we play at Green Bay every 8 years I actually think I remember hosting a random podcast for blog talk radio the last time we played Green Bay cuz Steve Sykes a good buddy Dr Astro Zoom actually went to the game and I had him on the show and uh, he told me how amazing the fans were. They're super nice. They were him um, tailgate food. They they knew Dolphins fans weren't enemies. We don't play often, and they're super welcoming. Um, <laughs> but don't let the uh, kindness be uh, fool you for weakness. The Green Bay Packers are a legitimate football team. They have Aaron Rodgers back. Him being healthy on the road against an uh, NFC North team like that, that is just recipe for disaster for a South Florida team.
0: One of the last times, I don't know if it was the last time we played them. It might have been because I think it was about four years ago uh, was the game where they called Aaron that timeout Rogers, at
1: the end and they did the fake spike. It, Fuck them.
0: Yeah, they did the fake spike against the Miami Dolphins, which should be outlawed, by the way. That should be a rule. Like Immediate once Dan flag. Marino does that you should yeah you should not be allowed to use that like if anybody were to use an offensive line uh pass like they did against us against the jets like that should be illegal because that's theirs now like, like that is their tree that they get to pee on we get the fake spike but uh, i digress but i remember being in a diner uh, after um officiating a wedding uh long story wow. but uh i was in a diner watching that by myself and that you know, we lost that game and I yelled out the largest, loudest motherfucker of all time. And everyone in that diner turned around and looked at me like it was some sort of weird record scratch. Um, (laughs) But then they saw that I was wearing Miami Dolphins gear and they're like, oh, we get it. They're blowing it again. So, um, yeah, I I think that's a that's a very good choice, especially at Green Bay and doing this in November. That has a chance to be a very, very, very cold, bitter game. So I I agree with you. I think that's going to be a tough one. Uh, So we have the Jaguars. We have the Packers. We have the Texans. Um, I'm really torn between two other games here, Chris, one of them. Uh, has us playing the Minnesota Vikings in December. Now, Minnesota is a very, very strong team. They're one of the teams that I think could be the NFC champion and representative in the Super Bowl. But that game is at 1 o'clock, which we like. It's also inside of a dome. So the weather isn't going to be too much of a factor for us. Uh, The other game that I'm looking at right now is the very first game, and that would be against the Tennessee Titans at home. I can't remember the last time we started the season at home week one. Um I have a feeling, this is my feeling, and we'll get to our full season predictions later during the preseason, but I have a feeling that this team is going to start very, very slow, and I have a feeling they're going to gel come October, and we'll see if they can maybe get a playoff run out of themselves later in the year. It kind of depends on how they they do, quite frankly, in November and December. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. I think Tennessee is a very underrated game, um, and they're a very underrated team, I should say, and I think having them come in the first week um, after you know a very tumultuous season for us, having Marcus Mariota, who kind of has a chip on his shoulder when it comes to the Miami Dolphins, I would suspect for for reasons that we've talked about in the past. Uh, I think that's going to be a tough game. I, I really think that's going to be a game that uh, we're, we're going to have to figure out, to your point, how to be emotionally up for 60 minutes. It's easy early, right? It's the first game of the season. Everyone's going to be jacked. you are going to be at home. But at the same time, I could see us starting to lose a little bit of energy and emotion come second quarter, third quarter, especially if they start running the ball on us, if they have the lead and they're just you know sitting on it and, and making our defense have to make a stop and we don't have a Jarvis Landry or a Michael Thomas or somebody to you know raise this team up. I could see this team being very, very um, difficult to get past week one. So I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans for game number four. What do you think about that?
1: That's a great one because um, <clears throat> we're in an odd situation where we're trying to host a podcast. And I don't want to see say be homered or biased, but we want to see both sides of the coin. So we definitely will make an argument either way. Uh, I think that's the best way to have a successful show like this is to see both sides of the coin. If we were both were just very adamantly for one thing and one thing only, it would be a very skewed show that only um, broadened itself to one side of the fan base. So I want to make sure we're we're back and forth, and that's why we have the shows where you, you take the bad for Tannehill, I take the good, things like that. Um, it, keeps it keeps it neutral, and it keeps it uh, f- fresh and fun. Um, I think our fan base right now is at a point of breaking. There is a lot of fans that are just fed up with anything current um gase Tannehill. they just want a queen a clean sweep they want stephen ross to sell the team they want a new gm like just they're done there's a v- lot of just vitriol negativity with this fan base and a lot of them a lot of them go to home games, and they're season ticket holders and have been, they'll tell you, for 30 years, and I remember the good old days, and all that shit. They're just kind of done with it. It's been enough. Uh, The early 2000s held them on because we had that great defense, and we were still in the hunt, winning 10, 9, 11 games a year was just the norm. Uh, But ever since, you know, the the Sperano and things, it's just every year is 8 and 8, 7, 9, 6, and 10. It's just like the same thing. I can see to your point, Sam. Uh, starting hot, uh, maybe you know, nice drive on offense. But if it ends on a punt or ends on a missed field goal, the defense gives up a long touchdown. All of a sudden, it's not a bad deal. It's like fourteen ten. We're losing. The crowd starts turning. Like I mean, I you talk about a home field advantage in September. That should just be um, a team from the, the southeast, sort of, kind of midland there in Tennessee, where it's not going to be as hot. Uh, come September, this should be a total win-win for us. Like we're coming in, they don't know what to expect from us. A lot of young guys with the heat and all that, and I can just see it crumbling, like you said, uh, where they just start fast, bad things happen, it snowballs, crowd starts turning on us. They're booing, they're chanting for David Fails. I'm sure half of the crowd will do that, um, and it's just gonna be, it's gonna be a shit show. And I can totally see that being a really tough game.
0: It really could be. So there you have it, guys. We've got the Tennessee Titans. We've got at Green Bay. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars towards the end of the season, and we also have uh, another game that I already forgot. That's how tough. Oh, the Houston Houston. Texans on Thursday night. So there you go. I mean, I I, I like all of those picks. I like the two that you came up with. I obviously like the two that I have. Uh, Let us know your four difficult games again outside of the AFC East. You can email us at perfectvillepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook. Just keyword Perfectville. You can also tweet us at Perfectville Pod. Uh, Let us know if you if why we're wrong if we're wrong or uh why some of these other matchups might be worse for us than these ones here uh chris uh are you ready for the doll fail of the week no but i know you're gonna do it so just do it you know why because you're not ready because that's not an actual segment that we have on this show it is the greatest (laughs) doll fails in history exactly i passed your test Yes. And this week we are going to three seconds ago when I could not remember the only segment that I came up with in the last couple of weeks uh, and I failed. No, I'm going to go back to the 2000 season, which we've talked about before. As you know, I have become a Jay Fiedler homer over the last, uh, I don't know, few years. Uh, but we're going to go to the Monday Night Massacre, uh, or unless you are not a Miami Doll fan, the Monday Night Miracle. You know exactly where we're going here, Chris. This is, I believe, uh, we were 5-1. and one. We had a 23-point lead in the fourth quarter against the hated New York Jets. And not only did we blow the lead in the fourth quarter, we allowed them to tie the game with about 30 seconds left. The second time they tied it, by the way. Uh, when Vinny testaverdi yes, Vinny Greenballs. Balls uh – Drops back and drops in a perfect little three-yard Jumbo Elliott touchdown. Jumbo Elliott being their fat offensive lineman who bobbled the ball and then eventually caught it while looking at himself on the big screen to tie the game. We go into overtime where we are driving. Uh, we're getting ready to set up an Alindo Mare field goal. All we have to do is have Jay fielder complete one last pass, and he does exactly that, but he does it to the other team for the third time in the game. The Jets go down. John Hall kicks a game winning field goal, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, Let's listen to this bullshit right now.
1: Second down and goal. Fake to Mark, then it's up, and it is juggled and caught by Jumbo Elliott. That's over. They had the hands team in. We have reached the end of regulation. One more first down, and they'll be in field goal range tomorrow. so out of the stadium big third and three and he throws caught and it is good good. to the 32-yard line from 40
0: yards good snap pick away Jets win just amazing 40-37 Jets so, Chris, this is one of the most painful memories in Miami Dolphins history. I mean, I remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, Leslie Shepard. Leslie Shepard had two touchdowns and 94 yards receiving. Aronde Gadsden, not Aronde Baxton, Aronde Gadsden had 120 yards receiving. Jay Fiedler only had 250 yards on the game, most of it to those two wide receivers. He did throw two touchdowns, had three interceptions. Uh, There's absolutely zero reason for us to have lost this game but somehow we allow Vinny Testaverde to throw it 59 times for 378 yards of five touchdowns he also had three picks himself um one of the just biggest disasters of all time just of all time it's I don't even know what to say about it
1: if we were a bigger franchise um bigger market I guess I don't know this would be just hailed as the biggest Blunder in NFL history, maybe minus uh, you know the Bills comeback with um, Frank Reich or whatever the hell his name is. Um, it, this was just horrible, Sam. And it's one of those things. I was thirteen years old. Um, one of my first real memories um, of my—I I actually, honestly, I'm not even kidding. I think this is the first Dolphins memory of heartbreak. Even the Jaguars loss in in, in the playoffs the year prior, I was twelve. Like I don't really. I mean, I remember it sucking and like my dad being super mad and stuff and embarrassed. And, but I was like, whatever. I was probably playing halfway through the game. Who knows? Uh, playing video games or something. But <clears throat> this game in particular, uh, I'll never forget because I never forget my dad making me go to bed before it was over and saying, son, we're winning by a billion. Just you'll wake up. Uh, you'll, yeah. you'll wake up and see that we won. There's no point. You got school tomorrow. Go to bed. Um and I went to bed and I never will forget waking up reading the Palm Beach Post and I think the cover was Jason Taylor just like looking up in the sky like, Are you fucking kidding me? With jumbo fuck face Elliot on the side with his weird ass teeth looking up to the moon after he t- caught the touchdown. And I I I closed my eyes and opened them again to reread. I, I thought I read it wrong. Like I just had woke up and saw that they won. And it was one of the more <laughs> – ser- I'm, like, serious right now. It was one of the more depressing, absolute horrible feelings I've ever felt in my life. And it was the first of many being a Dolphins fan. And I remember looking at my dad. I'm like, we we lost? How did we lose? Like, what happened? Did they start the game over? Like, how did we lose? <laughs> and And then – you know, a couple of years later, you get the sideline video of, uh, Jay Fiedler saying something like, Uh, no way they can, this game's over. over. We won this one. It's in the bag. And with the defense we had, I cannot believe that happened, especially against the jets. I mean, if that happens against the Bengals or like the 49ers, who gives a shit the jets. And it's brought up to this day in arguments and shit talk. And it's just one of the worst fucking games I've ever can remember in my lifetime.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I don't know why I decided that this yeah, would be a good segment for this show. <laughs> I apologize to all the citizens out there. Uh, this is why we're going back to citizens choice, because when it's my choice, apparently uh, <laughs> look, man, they wanted us to be pessimistic. So I thought we just bring out the most pessimistic thing we've ever been a part of. And that was that Monday night massacre and Jumbo freaking Elliot killing us and uh, Jay Fiedler throwing it. Interception in the freaking overtime that allows John Hall and the New York Jets to win that game. It uh, it hurts my soul just to even talk about it, if you could hear it in my voice there. But uh, anyway, Chris, let's get out of that, and let's get into three and out. Are you ready? Um, so I've never been more ready for this segment in my life. Uh, well, this segment here is a little <laughs> bit different than what we've done in the past. We are not talking about anything other than citizens' choices here, Chris. So we've got a few of them here from the Reddit and the Twitter. Uh, why don't you go ahead on First Down and pull one of these choices, and let's talk about it. Oh, i
1: got to shout out Biscuitville. Got to shout out my buddy Hmm. on Reddit that uh, posted that he wants to hear a Biscuitville episode or a mention of it, of course. Um, Every time – they just got a new paint job in the building, by the way, out here in uh, good old Indian Trail, North Carolina. (laughs) And uh, every time I pass it, I think about that episode. I think about uh, you finding out it was a thing in real life. I have to give it up to um, Al Pones is uh, how I'll pronounce his name on Reddit. It's A-L-P-W-N-S on Reddit for mentioning him. He wants a Biscuitville-themed F- episode. And then, of course, K Frost 95 live from Biscuitville 2, Electric Boogaloo. That is the shit I'm talking about right there. Biscuitville, Sam. New paint job. Looks clean. Looks good. I've eaten there once. It blew you away when I told you it was an actual fucking place. Um... Yet to be sponsored by them, however, we have tweeted at them a few times. We need to maybe keep this up and maybe get the fans going, too. If they get a big ruckus, maybe
0: Biscuitville will be the
1: sponsor of Perfectville, and that would be the greatest goddamn day of my life.
0: You know, as I, as I sit here and I look at my beautiful five-year-old daughter who just started kindergarten this year, who just started playing ice hockey – yes, ice hockey – And I look at how smart and funny and how successful she is now and how successful she's going to be in the future. And then I think about how happy I was that I found out about Biscuitville. (laughs) And all I can think of is that my daughter is the second greatest thing that's ever happened to me (laughs) behind figuring out (laughs) that Biscuitville. Is an actual thing. Uh, we are not going to have a Biscuitville themed show uh, until they give us at the very least some free fucking biscuits, though. I mean, come on. We've done more for Biscuitville than Biscuitville has done for Biscuitville. And at this point, if they aren't willing to you know, give us something for that, uh, then we will never do a Biscuitville themed Show, I don't think they I exist will...
1: in California or Florida, Sam. I wonder if Absolutely they have a marketer, not. uh marketing person that like looked at their Google trends and they're like, "Why the fuck is Biscuitville being googled <laughs> so much in California and South Florida? Yeah.
0: Like this is crazy." Yeah, they set up their strategy for expansion. Like, look, apparently the best markets are going to be Miami and uh the San Francisco <laughs> Bay Area, and then they just start buying up land, and then just nobody shows Feel up. Like, what the fuck, Biscuitville? Like, Screw this. Yeah. We, ha- we have Kale Town right across the street. Why would we need Biscuitville in California? Um, uh, no, that's a good one. I like that one there. Uh, this one comes from Dolphin Drew. Um, first name Dolphin, last name Drew. It says, talk some shit about the Titans. Get me warmed up for the regular season, please. Well, Chris, uh, look, I'm not even in Titans mode. I'm in Baltimore Ravens mode. But uh, I'll say this about the, Titan- the Tennessee Titans. Uh, it's one of the stupidest, stupidest, stupidest mascots uh, names in the NFL. The Houston Oilers made sense. The Tennessee Titans, you only did it for the alliteration. You just wanted the TT, which unless you're a big fan of titties, I don't know why you wanted the TT. Uh, you guys are terrible. You're from Nashville. Before that, you played in Memphis. Before that, you played in Houston. You guys have an identity crisis. Eddie George sucks. He's slow. He's bald. He has alopecia and doesn't have any <laughs> eyebrows. That's the best player you ever had. Steve McNair was terrible in the shotgun formation. And uh, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh Chris, what do you got for the Tennessee Titans if they happen to be listening to this episode of Berthookville right now?
1: Um Rashawn uh Rashawn Matthews sucks. Uh, he couldn't even be be a starter on the Miami Dolphins for Christ's sake, and you're paying him money. Um Eddie George does suck. Zach Thomas ate him for lunch when they played. Um, and I just realized when you said they they only did it for TT that they technically named the the team after Dolly Parton. Uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, well, literally that's, it's that's the Tennessee point. Dolly Partons. It's it's just like I hear Sean Connery on uh, Celebrity Jeopardy and Saturday Night Live uh say Dolly Parton. So that's them. They are the Dolly Parton's tits. That was second down, third down, Chris. All right, well, third down, I'm gonna stick with Reddit. And I'm going to go ahead and go with Prem1X, P-R-E-M-1X on Reddit. Sam, the Dolphins are winless already. Uh, is it time to start using their Ronde backs and koozie?
0: yeah use it now what are you Always. doing like you have who it wants it's free. we sent it to you yeah who wants frosty hands like i said we've almost wiped it out it's like smallpox at this point it only exists inside of a laboratory only to be released if somebody were to break in and then just expose it everywhere you have an insulated sip sack koozie that you can put your soda your water your beer your vodka your whiskey anything in why would you not be using it whether they were 19 and 0 or 0 and 19 even though they don't play 19 games uh why would you not use that yes use it continue to Use it, and that actually goes into one of the topics. Call it uh, fourth down, if you will. Somebody just wanted us to talk about beer, Chris. Somebody just wanted us to talk about beer, and here's what I would say: If you have a beer, put it inside of your Aronde Baxton head of the Sipsack koozie, and drink that shit, and keep your or- your hands warm and your beer cold. That right there is yes, use it absolutely. Now I will say this: If we do go O for a season, uh, not only are we going to have Aronde Baxtons in Sipsack form, Chris, I might have insulated. Paper bags that we can stick over our heads and then just you know pull a rip cord and pull it tight until we can't breathe anymore. Because I don't know if I could handle a winless season. I could barely handle one and fifteen to the point where the one win is actually my Super Bowl <laughs> for my era. Uh, if we went zero and sixteen, I don't know how I can handle that. So if we went zero and sixteen, I'm giving out big grocery bags that are insulated so we could just pour all the liquor in there like a jungle juice and put a straw on it.
1: We can. Uh, we can. I just thought of something as you said that is like an epiphany. We can do a uh,
0: a Ronde bags. Stand- and sleeping bag that also doubles as a body bag Ooh, you know what I was thinking I was actually thinking of getting like a hoodie that said welcome to perfectville on the front and then on the hoodie part You would flip it on, and it would actually be a bag.
1: (laughs) There you go. That's great. The eyes
0: come down over your eyes and shit. Yeah, and then you would would wear a Rondé Bagston as a hoodie. Now, I think that's great, but uh, I looked into the pricing for something so specialized, and uh, we're going to have to price this thing at about $4,000 a hoodie. (laughs) So uh, get your credit cards out, ladies and gentlemen. Kids, don't ask your parents' permission. Just order, and uh, we'll get that to you as soon as possible. But uh, not today, because today, Chris, it is time for us to vacate Perfectville uh, and get ready for the dress rehearsal against the Baltimore Ravens, game three of preseason, the one that counts but not really. Uh, What are you looking for real quick out of Ryan Tannehill? you looking for one quarter, two quarters, three quarters – what uh, what amount of playing time would be sufficient against the Baltimore Ravens? Chris? Well, I'm
1: not worried about the time frame. I've seen him play enough already. Um, he looks like his old self, very efficient, but just you know, short, quick passes, which that works for the Patriots. So if we can make that work, that's fine. I would like to see him stretch the field a little bit more. He went to Amendola deep in the first game um, and missed pretty bad. So I would like to see him get a little bit of uh, chemistry with Wilson. And I really want to see Gasecki get some work with uh, Tannehill on the field. The way they practice this week, I think it's gonna. Going to happen. So that's what I want to see. Just some more chemistry and some more deeper throws that stretch the field
0: and get the uh defense out of the box. I love all that. I agree with all that. Only last thing to say Chris is goodbye from Perfect Bill. Later.